0: Koto, you're on the panel with me, Wallace Chapman. Good afternoon to you, Zoe and George. Sorry, Zoe, George and Phil O'Reilly with me today. Well, do you remember this? I told you, homeboy,
1: you can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know you can't touch this.
2: Look at my eyes, man
0: can't touch this. You can't touch this. Right, a little empty hammer there. And the last time inflation was so high in New Zealand, you'd have to go back to 1990 when that song was riding top of the charts. Lockwood Smith, Education Minister, inflation has hit 7.3%, the highest in 32 years, on the back of higher housing, food, and fuel costs. Petrol prices have leapt. 32%. Cost of building a house, 18%. Food up 7.1%. With us to discuss is Brad Olson, senior economist at Infometrics. Kia ora, Brad. Kia ora. You certainly can't touch this, Brad. Was this above expectations?
3: It was. It was actually exactly what Infometrics was picking, but it was above that market expectation of around 7.1%. Uh, it was also probably importantly above what the Reserve Bank thought it would be. And the surprise was in the non-tradables or New Zealand domestically based inflation. Uh, that coming in at a higher pick than than what uh, most people were thinking. Realistically, though, I think, uh, you know, looking through the numbers today, we knew that some of those headline numbers were going to be up. We knew about the likes of food, rent, uh, you know, the cost of building and fuel. What concerns me, though, is looking at the broader numbers, there's a lot of other things that have just gently, uh, and, and maybe in some cases not so gently, been increasing in price. And so that inflation is starting to spread. Stats NZ numbers today showing that 66% of all of the products and, and items that they track have increased in price over the last year. That's the highest number uh, since at least 2018.
0: Is there a risk that prices will go higher?
3: Well, look, before today, expectations were that this very much was uh, thought to be the peak. But I don't think we can rule anything out at this point. We know that businesses are still saying that they're having cost increases for their own businesses and the likelihood at the moment does seem to be that they might well pass them on more than otherwise. I do think you'll, you'll stop seeing things go all that much higher. That That is the general consensus. But certainly looking at today's number, you do worry that it's going to take a lot longer to get inflation back under control. And so although it might not peak any further than this, you could still well see inflation at over 6% by the end of the year and, and it becoming very, very tricky to actually extract ourselves from this high-inflation environment.
0: Yeah, look, uh, I mean, just base, you know, straight up, it doesn't matter who you are, you go to the supermarket and you see your, it's been talked about before, hasn't it, your block of cheese or your, your block of butter, some up to $10, $10.80, $10. others $8. Um, you know, people are really... Feeling the squeeze—is there anything that can be done to quell the prices? I see that one economist uh, this morning has been uh, asking for a cut to GST, as an example.
3: Realistically, we saw yesterday the government come out with you know its fuel tax reduction. Um, that's a billion-dollar policy now to try and uh, you know control inflation. Somewhat from going higher, and let's be clear though, none of that is targeted, and so it means that actually those who need it most get the exact same as those who don't need any support at all. So if there is going to be support from government, it has to be far better targeted than any of the approaches that have come through. But realistically, was well, the thing is, is New Zealand as an economy is still trying to do too much with too little. We don't have that additional labour, uh, you know, in terms of people to do work. We don't have uh, enough resources. And so we continue to be bidding up the price and and sort of outbidding everyone when we go to the store. Realistically, that means because we're not able to magic up more jib or we're refusing to let a whole lot more people into the country, we need to bring down the temperature of New Zealand's economy just a touch to be able to sort of get these sort of price increases in line. So the Reserve Bank remains, uh, in our view, the major uh, focus Now, they've got to look at these numbers very seriously and go, we've got to cool things down even quicker than we'd first thought. That means that interest rates will need to rise further.
0: OK, mm, right, OK. Uh, interest rates to rise further, says Brad Olson. Uh, Zoe George.
2: Gosh, where, Brad, do we sit um, internationally compared to everyone else on the international scene with this?
3: Yep, look, we are lower, uh, which is certainly a more comforting position. Uh, you've had the likes of the US come in at I think 9.1 was their latest number. Other parts of the world are higher still. I think the difference as well, though, to be fair, is that a lot of other parts of the world, uh, they are more reliant on non-renewable energy. Uh, You know, you look particularly in the likes of Europe, they're paying sort of five to eight times more for natural gas because of the Russian invasion. Of Ukraine. Now, although here in New Zealand, of course, yes, we're paying more for uh, petrol, the fact is, around about half of the inflation we're seeing at the moment is coming through from just domestically based stuff. So, the cost of building, the cost of rents, and similar. So, we keep half an eye to the rest of the world and and do look at ourselves and go, this is a lot better. Uh, But the average Kiwi, I guess, walking along the street says, I don't care what is happening in America or the uh, UK. I know
4: that, you know, my pocket is hurting. Yeah. Uh, Phil? Well, I think that's right. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it struck me there's an awful lot of blame to go around here. You know, is it Ukraine? Yep. Is it, uh, is it uh, supply chains? Yep. Is it, is it uh, some of the government policies? Yes, it is. And is it the Reserve Bank? Yes, it is. And so, you know, really it's about uh, not saying, well, nothing to see here. There is something to see here, and in- including all that non-tradables or that domestic inflation that Brad talked about. I think it is about government policy pushing against those inflationary pressures and realizing another point that Brad makes that I agree with realizing that actually you need to go through some pain and I went through the pain of watching MC Hammer's trousers in the 1990s so I had had hair then and only one chin it's a long time ago yeah but there was a lot of pain that we had to go through to get out of that and so the idea that you can just not have the pain not worry too much about uh, increasing mortgages and so on is untrue you do need to go through the pain to get rid of it and it goes to brad's point about targeting assistance so i don't think me getting 25 cents or whatever it is a liter off at the pure pump is the right way to go i can afford it someone else you know i'd rather make sure that someone gets double that if they absolutely need to get on a night shift in a hospital somewhere that's, that's right. this is targeting that we need to think about in terms of support
0: well, we'll talk about that uh, soon, bro. I'm just going to. Um, who who else are some of the people who will miss out? Savers. Because uh, yep. many people might look to property or the share market, if you do have a bit to save, to hedge against f- inflation. Not anymore.
3: Well, and that's the tricky thing. There's uh, very few places at the moment that are making much above. Uh, inflation certainly. I mean, you look at the housing market. Well, it's worth less than a year ago. The same with the with the stock market, whereas inflation continues to rise and rise. I think at the moment, um, you know, we have seen some very, very good gains in the likes of housing and and even the stock market in previous years. For a lot of investors at the moment, the question is not where do I get a good return. It's probably where do I get the least bad return. Um, and I mean, that's to Phil's mm. point around. Look, we've got to endure a little bit of pain. We're going through. Uh, you know, quite an extraordinary time because we haven't seen inflation like this in 32 years. And it, it does come at a time when everything else is uh, becoming harder to, to push the economy further. Because for every time we try and grow the economy uh, and get more people into work, we're actually, sort of, you know, pushing against our, our natural limits of how much we've got. So I think a lot of people out there whether you've got money in the bank, whether it's in housing, whether it's in the stock market, all will be feeling quite nervous. But there is, I think, that need to try and ride the wave. I don't think anyone's going to come out of this unscathed. Households are quite clear at the moment when they say, look, you know, paying 20 bucks for a block of cheese and similar isn't a very uh, comfortable position. But you do hope that perhaps we are starting to see a bit of a turn and we'll see a turn through the rest of the year where inflation probably doesn't come down, and that's unfortunate news. But at the very least, maybe it stops going up at such a silly, rapid pace.
0: Okay, Kia ora, Brad. Uh, thanks for your time. That's Brad Olson there from Infometrics. Uh, but you certainly, it certainly doesn't matter who you are, um, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you uh, that, that money uh, doesn't go <laughs> uh, really anywhere near as far as it did this time last year. And you can feel it, can't you?
2: Yeah, I think you can. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm so glad that we are doing a bit of funding and putting money towards things like public transport. It's something that I use almost on a daily basis, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. It definitely helps me get out and about more and makes public transport more accessible right. to more people. So I think that there are good things that have come out of this. But yeah, that, that inflation and then the ever-increasing mortgage rates and, you know, there are things that we have to go without, which is... Which is Not so great.
0: Well, let's get on to the uh, transport announced yesterday fuel tax cuts, half price public transport, reduced road user charges. These are now staying until January the 31st next year. This cost of living support is not uh, ending at the end of August like initially planned, but extending uh, those extra five months. We're talking 25 cents a litre, save someone filling a 40 litre tank, 11 bucks. Half price public transport, save someone catching the bus to work daily around $25 a week. Agree or not, those numbers uh, do make a difference in the household. Terry Collins is the AA Principal Policy Advisor uh, of Motoring... There's Terry, kia ora. Ah, good afternoon, Wallace. How do you see this? Do you see this as a good thing? this extension or is it delaying uh, the inevitable?
1: The AA is always on the view that the fuel excise duty and the road user charges are what's known as a hypothecated tax. That is, they collective off the motorist, pay for the benefit of the motorist, that is, build the roads, maintain the roads, repair them, cycle ways and the infrastructure. So it's a very elegant way, du- directly collected and used for the purpose of of which it's collected. So we believe that they, that should stay but we do understand why they've had the 25 cent reduction. It's actually about 29.30 if you put GST on top of it because they put GST on top of all the taxes and duties that make up the price of petrol. Um, so yes, it's it's something that can be easily done by the government to lessen the burden on motorists. So we But welcome.
0: shouldn't it be targeted as Phil and Brad were saying earlier?
1: Well the cost of Targeting, you know, and the criteria for targeting is uh, the devil's always in the detail. Uh, the great thing about the fuel excise tax, they clicked about $1.4 billion for about $150,000. So it's a really cheap way of doing it. So just by taking it off, it didn't require change in legislation. You don't have to design a whole set of criteria that who qualifies it and who doesn't. And also there's no gaming involved because it's applicable to all. So the simplicity of it is... is know the key
0: element of it. And I'll just bring Zoe in. Actually, Zoe, did you say that the half-price public transport actually influenced you in getting on the bus? Or did it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, during the pandemic, I've been working a lot from home and I still do work from home a fair bit. But knowing that transport is incredibly affordable makes a huge difference and actually makes me want to go into the office Um, and it's also good for me the way that I see it for the environment Um, and we want to reduce our carbon emissions and all of those good things so I'm all for making sure that we can make public transport easy and accessible to all.
4: Stay there Terry Phil. Uh, well, on the public transport thing, most people don't use public transport as it turns out, not because of the price, but because it's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> so, if you want to improve public transport outcomes, make more public transport available, how which hard, is cycle lanes and light, bus lanes, and How hard can it be so so to get on the bus, Phil? Come <laughs> on. Right, exactly. But the, the, so that's another one where you want to target it. If you want to, if you want to make half-price public transport, make it make it free mm-hmm. for those most at risk, and it's not that hard to do if you're not having a bit of a panic about the politics, which is really what was happening with the government here. You could actually give it to beneficiaries. You could give it to those. Who have, who have particular jobs rather than giving it to middle-class Wellington people. Uh, like Zoe. Who, who might want to, uh, no, no names, <laughs> but, no petrol. Uh, who, well, who otherwise head, who head you've got, could afford it.
0: Here you've got Zoe who has hopped on the bus um, specifically
4: because it was half price. I walked behind the bus, saved the whole fare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's,
1: well, what, I've, I've been using public transport in Wellington for two decades mm. and I would continue to use it whether it was half price or not. So
4: I'm getting a nice little jolly out of it. Thank you very much. Precisely. Um, when I would have used it regardless. Jolly and the AA, I wouldn't put uh, those two together. Yeah. Uh...
0: <laughs> Good idea, Terry. you, Terry. a great <laughs> job. Okay, so Terry, um, uh, in June of this year, the German government announced a temporary pass. So this is a valid public transport nationwide. It costs fifteen New Zealand dollars a month. So, um, in short, the, the government, the German government, has come close to adopting a fares-free public transport. For everybody That's what Germany's doing What do you think yeah. about doing something like that here?
1: Look, we need to, it's not about the fears actually It's about the investment that we have to make We need new trains, we need new buses We need them all electrified We need this massive investment in renewable energy That's what the global globe needs To meet its climate change obligations What we've got now is we've tied into Our hydrocarbons, we've got Lack of investment We're telling the petrol industry that we don't want to use your product in the next couple of decades, but we want you to plough billions of dollars into it so we can get cheap fuel now. There's a real conflict going on between the inflationary drivers and the high price of fuel and the messages we're sending those people about whether we want their product or not. We do need to commit to electrification of the transport system. We do need better public transport. We do need more cycling. But right now, we've got to be really careful that we get this investment decisions and well, this transition. Well, I'm just,
0: right just sheeting it back to the likes of Zoe George, who's picked up PT for the first time, buses. Public transport up from 49% of 2019 levels to 65% in major cities. So it's gone up 15% just in a very short time, short frame time. So to, to, to Terry, to Phil... This could be the start of something really new.
4: Could be, but at the end of the day, you still, to Terry's Terry's absolutely right, you still Mm -hmm. need to invest in in good transport infrastructure and someone's got to pay for that and, and at the end of the day those bus fares it, it, you, sure help those people who cannot otherwise afford it but don't subsidise everyone make sure that people pay a fair price for public transport and they'll take more of it if it's really good and arrives on time and it's clean and dry and all of those sorts of things and that's the that's the reality I mean if I'm in London I take public transport 100% of the time obviously because it's really good and, and, here? and, and not, here? not quite so much because it's wet and the bus arrives every half an hour you know <laughs> So that's, there's a challenge here to overcome some of those issues. And
2: sometimes it just drives straight it past it, and indeed. you're stuck in the rain and you're like, hey.
4: Thanks Yeah, so much,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah there is that.
0: Do you take – I mean, you're, the, you're an AA, Terry, but you take the bus too? Yeah,
1: I do. And I lived in Sydney for 20 months and I deliberately got a house next to a railway station. Absolutely. Really trains. Bus services regular, and when I did need to buy a car, I used one of the um, a share mode. You know I paid six dollars an hour for a car and thirty cents a kilometre, and you got a little app which tells you where to pick the car up. And I'd use that for when I needed it. Mm. That, that shared mobility, I think, is going to be the way of the future.
0: All right. Uh, thank you, Terry Kiota. That is uh, Terry Collins there, uh, the AA principal policy Advisor of motoring affairs, who still uh, takes the uh, bus quite a bit. Um, Twenty-four past uh, four. The panel are international Zoe George and Phil O'Reilly with me this afternoon. We've had quite a bit of uh, feedback regarding this uh, next story. Is this your sort of cooking show? Ah. You seriously charge $300 to
3: teach people how to make that crap? Yes. Yes, chef. I feel like I need some plastic wrap on
1: my ass.
0: Screaming in your face that you're an idiot sandwich, being told to F off, being told your food is not nice, and words that I cannot say on this programme. Nadella Lawson is sick of cooking shows, treating or not treating contestants with respect. She says it's counterproductive and a theatre of cruelty and humiliation. Bit of response about your favourite shows. Carolyn says, I totally agree with this, says Carolyn. I'm sick of all the yelling and bullying on your your master chef style programs. George Columbaris from Melbourne was the worst. I hate it when contestants are screamed at. In the last few seconds, it's uh, bullying. And your favourite uh, Graham Kerr, says someone. Another one says I would always make time to watch Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. Yum. And great food perspective uh, says Rebecca. Round the panel on this. What do you what do you think, Joey?
2: Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I do quite like Gordon Ramsay, but the latest season, I think it was Hell's Kitchen, they got people live on stage in front of an audience and he just tore them to shreds and you could just see the embarrassment and I would not want to be in their shoes at all although I don't know if you've seen MasterChef Junior with Gordon really? Ramsay it is delightful yeah. and I would highly recommend it it's it's just so lovely but um, I do love a good cooking show Alison Holst was my favourite oh she was great she was great I interviewed yeah. her many many years ago and she told me that she writes dirty cookbooks uh, in because, what way? Well, in the fact that when you've got to use your favourite recipe, it's all stuck together because <laughs> there's ingredients <laughs> stuck on it. And I was <laughs> like, I, I love that. And so I, for even more, I was in love with her, and that was it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. And, and and Phil, Alison Holst didn't need to tell anyone to whiff off.
4: You know, she was a star. She was a professional, precisely. And I, I really enjoyed Hudson and Horse because it wasn't really <laughs> oh, about the cooking. Yes. was it? it <laughs> they were great. They were a couple of beers, and all. It was, it was great. But of course, the, the point yeah. is, uh, that's it. Um, the, the thinking man's beer. The uh, the, the great. The, the point is, of course, in history. We went to the Coliseum for, mm. for, for Bloodsport. And this is the new version of Bloodsport, this stuff. And so it's not really about cooking. It's about the, 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 the audience getting a bit of ritual humiliation. And it's the same with some of these weight loss shows and stuff where people are just getting insulted. I'm thinking, why do you go on? Mm. But nevertheless, that's what they do. And, of course, they've all kind of molded into each other now. It's like America's Next Top uh. MasterChef. You know, you, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure which one's on now. So they've they've just got to become a bit of wallpaper, frankly. So, so I, I prefer the old ones. Although there's a new one by James May uh, the ex-Top Gear host who's very, very funny on, on uh, cable television. Once again, it's not about cooking. It's about a guy, a very funny man called James May, trying to cook and making a bad, <laughs> making a bad mess of it.
0: Tell us your favourite cooking shows. Uh, Warren in Rainy Central Otago says, Rick Stein's cooking shows, mm. they're the best, always championing local producers and artisans with a liberal seasoning of classical education thrown in. Kia ora Wallace. The Great British Bake Off is lovely. They don't yell, though the New Zealand one is a bit high-pitched and nowhere near the good quality. All right, uh, it is 27 past four. Why don't we sneak in while we have a bit of time uh, uh, the I've been thinkings from our wonderful panellists. Zoe George, you first.
2: Uh, I've been thinking about the Commonwealth Games. They start next Thursday, which is very exciting. That's when the opening uh, thing is. Next Thursday? I haven't heard anything about it. I know. We're sending more than 200 athletes and half of those are going to be women. And that also includes para-athletes, which is super exciting. Um self-plug here but I'm going to be hosting a daily podcast called The Podium and we're going to be analysing all the happenings. I'm very interested to see how the White Ferns are going to go. It's the first time T20 cricket is at the Commonwealth Games and obviously they didn't do so well at the World Cup uh, and they've had a whole bunch of rejigging with their players but yeah, that's something to look forward to so yeah, starting the 28th 29th is when The Podium comes out and I will be recording it at Silly o'clock in the morning, so I'm really looking forward to it. It should be, the hours are not so great. It's in Birmingham, so trying to watch it here in New Zealand is going to be tough. I'll do all the hard work for you.
4: Thank you, thank you, uh, Phil Irani. I've been thinking. And I, actually, I had a sport one too. I was at the I was at the Caketon on Saturday to watch the All Blacks, and it was. And I watched the uh, New Zealand Murray side earlier on in the week. It was just great to be back mm-hmm. in a full stadium watching sport. Cold weather and yeah, that sort of tri- that, that tradition. Of, if anybody's been to Sport in Wellington, of actually everybody walks to the stadium down Cuba Street, and you know, goes on all afternoon. Brilliant, and you know, big jacket. And I never thought I'd look forward to a badly cooked chicken burger and, and a beer in a plastic mug, but I did. <laughs> And it was it was just great to feel that you know the Irish were shouting, and screaming, and we were giving the ref the benefit of our collective wisdom, and just <laughs> a lot of fun to be back. And it was just it, it post- sounds COVID like stuff. it yeah.
0: sounds like you really missed it.
4: Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that's good fun. It was good, so, and, you know. Amongst the, amongst the public, it was great.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And um, we've got to say. Um, what
4: a massive game the Irish played, Phil. Oh, brilliant. I mean, it was just – was a really good game, you know, and they got them yeah. behind us a bit. And, you know, it was just a – it wasn't a disappointing game at all. I mean, we, we lost and we deserved to lose. But, gee, they played well. And what you saw afterwards was such a good spirit amongst the crowd because, of course, New Zealanders don't like the All Blacks losing. That's what against the religion. What was the spirit like? What was the oh, spirit was like? Describe the, 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 the for us. The, the Irish, Irish were fantastic. I mean, they were shouting and screaming and, and <laughs> the flags forget were waving. Forget <laughs> about the Irish. Well, yeah, the, all New New Kiwis, all the Kiwis. Kiwis were pretty good about it. You mm-hmm. didn't see – I didn't see a single – Example of poor behaviour, that sort of boorish right. stuff that some people can get into. I didn't see a single example of that as the crowd walked out of the stadium. In fact, I just saw, obviously, disappointment and people nattering about the coach and all the rest. But, you know, just nobody was getting in the Irish face. Maybe that happened later on down at Courtney Place. I went home because I'm old. <laughs> uh, I did not go to Courtney Place. <laughs> so I, I took the bus home. And, um, no, I didn't. But but it was, it was a great, great spirit at the game, actually. So nice. uh, good fun. Someone says, it's Dame Alison Hall. Still oh,
0: is not Sorry. was. Um, I think I said that too. Uh, Kia ora, Stefan. Thank you for that. I am over these tough shows with the format of failure and embarrassment. However, I would watch Nigella uh, even if she couldn't uh, boil an egg. I'm a big fan of Nigella Lawson. It's Keith Floyd's On Location Cooking Show with excellent theme music by The Stranglers. Very interesting. Zoe George and Phil O'Reilly with me this Monday afternoon on The Pound.